The idea that productivity and efficiency are likely to drive margin gains, margin stability. Um, companies are now focused on improving efficiency and AI is part of this. Hello and welcome to Global Research Unlocked, a podcast from B of A Global Research. I'm TJ Thornton, Head of Product Marketing at B of A Global Research, and we're recording this episode on Tuesday, September 26th, 2023. The S&P 500 has performed better than many expected this year, partly because the recession that many expected at the start of the year still hasn't come. Today's guest, Savita Subramanian, head of U.S. equity and quantitative strategy, believes that the market is likely to go even higher by year end. This despite all the concerns out there, which range from a short list of mega caps that have really driven the S&P strength to consumer headwinds in 4Q, including the fact that people are going to be paying student loans and people may not be paying for Taylor Swift tickets as she's touring internationally to rates and valuations. So thanks for joining us today, Savita. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. You recently raised your year-end 2023 S&P target. You're calling for upside, as just mentioned. Um, you're in the elevator with a colleague here at One Bryant Park, and these are very fast elevators. <laughs> what are the key two to three reasons you think that there's more upside? Yeah, so I think that the main reason is that everyone seems to hate equities. And as you pointed out, we've been in an environment where investors have been positioning for this recession that's always two quarters out since maybe the beginning of last year. And this recession keeps getting pushed out because consumers are, are actually that much more resilient. We've had a big move in rates, but companies have so far been able to withstand it. And our view is that there is likely to be a reallocation out of bonds back into equities as folks realize that rates and inflation could remain higher and stickier than what, what we were all expecting at the beginning of the year. So, you know, in our view, companies are doing everything right today. They are, is the elevator right open? <laughs> is it, we're going, we're is going to 51. So I've got another <laughs> another 30 seconds. Um, I think that the other kind of selling point for stocks is that companies are doing the right thing. So they have basically understood the fact that we're in a different regime, higher inflation, higher wages, and they are spending and focused on efficiency, which I think is the next bull case for the S&P 500. Okay, so getting back to the headwinds, um, which, uh, which haven't exactly gone away, even though the recession has been pushed out, um, We'll see if it happens at all. Um, but you've got the auto strike at the moment, uh, resumption of student loan payments, which really starts in October, higher gas prices. Are those concerns, especially as you think about the consumer, which I know is a group that actually you, you kind of like? We do like the consumer, and we, we are overweight, consumer discretionary as a sector. This is an area where we think that your average consumer right now is gainfully employed in the U.S. The average homeowner has a fixed rate mortgage, so there's no immediate refinancing risk. Um, the average consumer's real wage growth just inflected positive. So we are all making more than we're spending at the grocery store, at least as of now. Um, as long as those factors don't change, we think that the consumer can hang in there. And I think the U.S. is in a, in a particularly uh, better spot than other regions of the world because of that fixed rate mortgage aspect, because of the fact that consumers have actually shored up their own balance sheets 
since 2008, and we all learned that you know floating rate risk is evil in an environment where rates are rising and very few uh, homeowners actually have access to that or exposure to that. Okay, so uh, I want to hit on another big topic, of course, AI, um, which is contributing to the strength that we're seeing in these mega caps um, and one of the bear cases on stocks, which is that so much of the strength has been driven by them. Um, but you think that there's opportunity in AI that's not fully appreciated yet, uh, that goes beyond those seven stocks. So I could do. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I think that this is, this is really the bull case that I alluded to, the idea that productivity and efficiency are likely to drive margin gains, margin stability. Um, companies are now focused on improving efficiency and AI is part of this. So if you think about a lot of the service sectors in the US economy, there are opportunities to replace more expensive people with, uh, with, with AI, with tools, with tech, with automation. And I think that's actually not necessarily bearish for jobs because what we've seen with any technological advance is that folks retrain and you know, do other things. Um, but I think this could actually improve labor efficiency, which hasn't really improved in a very long time. So, so the bull case for stocks is that we've been in an environment where it's been very easy to generate earnings from kind of lower quality sources like buying back shares or moving, you know, plant property and equipment to other areas of the world that are cheaper. But today we think that companies are actually focused on stickier improvements in their operating models, which we as investors are willing to pay a higher multiple for. We're willing to pay higher multiples for companies that show us sticky long-term improvements rather than just you know, short-term buyback-driven dri per share earnings growth or um, you know, cheap financing costs, which are somewhat arbitrary. So I think this is actually a very underappreciated bull case. The idea that AI is not just about tech companies reaping money from everybody spending on the chips and the software, but it's also about companies getting leaner and more efficient and you know, potentially um, you know, having better margins going forward. Okay. Thanks, Vita. And right, I remember we did a, uh, a piece with you not too long ago on, on productivity, and it's pretty incredible that I think it's been over 20 years since we've really had much of a productivity boom. It was the, it was the PC era um, that, uh, that brought that about, and we haven't seen it since perhaps because cheap money and, and other reasons you, you cited. Um, you talked about negative sentiment. Um, could you back that up with some data? I know you guys look at all kinds of things. We, uh, yeah, from we have to a sentiment. lot of data. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep track of it, but I think that the net message, that the data that we're looking at on uh, sentiment around stocks, suggests that you know the that really bearish level of risk aversion that we saw at the beginning of the year has alleviated a little bit, but we're now at a point where there's still tremendous skepticism around investing in risk assets like equities or even credit. And the idea here is, well, this recession is coming, it's inevitable. Why would I wanna get overloaded on risk ahead of this recession, which is coming and is inevitable? And again, we're still in that same that same kind of quandary that we were in for the last couple of years, which is the Fed has increased rates so much, it's gotta hurt at some point. I don't necessarily wanna be 
the first person buying risky companies in an environment where we're going off into, you know, kind of a more more soft landing or recessionary territory. And I think that's what's kept investors very bearish on, on the riskier areas of the spectrum. But meanwhile, when you listen to companies, they're telling us, we're gonna make more money than you think we're making. So when we listen to guidance from companies around earnings, they're very positive. When we listen to CapEx guidance, companies are spending more on CapEx than they were planning, than, than we think they're planning to. So, so we're in, in, the, in, in an environment where it looks like all of the levers for economic activity are actually running pretty well. Consumption hasn't necessarily been derailed by higher interest rates. So as long as those continue, as long as we don't see more broad spread layoffs, we think that this, this can be a market that is, um, has more upside risk than downside risk. Got it, okay. Um, and you've also pointed out that aside from the upside you expect for the cap-weighted S&P, um, you actually prefer the equal-weighted S&P, so you'd expect even more upside there. So could you tell us a little bit about why it is that you prefer equal-weighted stocks? Yeah, so I mean, it's funny because when you look at the S&P 500 right now, it's dominated by seven companies. And these are seven companies that are mega cap tech stocks. They're plays on AI growth, you know, kind of um, all of the levers that we think are likely to catapult us into this efficiency story. Now, the problem is that those companies take up about a third of the benchmark. We're at a level of concentration risk in the S&P 500 that is unprecedented. And then when you take those seven companies out, the market totally changes. It gets a lot cheaper. So the multiple on earnings of the overall S&P 500 right now is around 21 times. But if you take out those seven companies, it drops to closer to 15 or 16 times earnings. So it's a much cheaper benchmark. Um, less expectations built into it, less growth expectations built into it. And we think that that is a setup for a better environment than an expensive benchmark that's priced for perfection. So looking at the average company in the S&P 500 versus the overall cap-weighted benchmark tells you a very different story about what corporate America looks like. Okay, and interesting to get a little bit more into those valuations because 15 times is certainly a lot cheaper than 21 times, but you know, considering where rates are, considering yeah. where real rates are, I don't know, maybe that doesn't seem that cheap. I mean, how do you think about 15 times for that part of the S&P versus history and, versus and history. you know, considering other things? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, when I think about valuation, it's right now, there's a couple of things going on. One, we think we're at a trough in profitability. So we've been in this earnings recession for the past three or four quarters. And by our lights, we think that earnings growth inflects and grows positive over the next, let's call it 12 to 24 months. So we've, we've seen earnings drop by about five-ish percent over the last 12 months. We think that earnings recover um, by at least 10% over the next 12 months. And that earnings number is what might be inflating that price to earnings ratio. So the PE ratio can be high because prices move higher or earnings fall. And I think right now, um, earnings is a, is, a, is a culprit of why the PE ratio for cyclical companies might be higher than what we're expecting. Um, and then on top of that, I think what we've seen is that, you know, in, in terms of an equity risk premium, a lot of the companies that would benefit from inflation and rising interest rates are actually trading cheap. 
And if we are in an environment where the Fed is telling us that inflation and rates are likely to remain higher for longer, why would we not want to own those cheaper cyclical companies that can actually benefit from an inflationary cycle? And here, you know, I think energy companies, industrials, even some consumer stocks can benefit from rising rates and, uh, you know, better economic growth. All right. Well, Savita, thanks very much for that. Um, thanks for joining us today in the studio. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, critical discussion and one that's certainly <laughs> not settled, but uh, one we'll continue to talk about, about where the market's headed. Absolutely. Thanks. So now for our second elevator pitch of the day. Savita gives us a few reasons to be bullish. The consumer is resilient, helped by the fact that many people do have fixed rate mortgages, and they're finally seeing real wage growth. We've seen inflows into bonds, but that could reverse as people give up on a quick decline in inflation and get more positive on equities. AI benefits should begin to expand from software and semis and into other sectors through improved productivity. And while valuation at the headline level may seem high, the index looks a lot cheaper when you pull out the Magnificent 7. And that's on what Savita believes are trough earnings. Thanks for joining us today.